This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Brooks, Brian Christopherson. Here on Wednesday, another practice, practice number eight in the books for Nebraska on Tuesday. We got an opportunity to watch a little bit of practice. Did anything in that time jump out to you guys just specifically? Did you notice anybody new? Did you see something different? Uh, Did anything in particular stand out before we kind of dive into? We're going to talk about Nebraska's defense, and then we'll finish up with some offensive line talk, and Brooks will set up the big baseball series at the very end. So that's the show for today. But before we get there, Anything at practice yesterday really kind of jump out to you when you were watching it? Uh, well, A.J. Rollins has officially completed the move to defense from what we saw yesterday. Uh, the gray jersey is is no longer. He was running with the defense. So that that looks like that's going to stick. Um, that's probably the most – that's the most notable position change, right, that we've had yeah. so far? When when I was walking through yesterday, because I didn't um, I didn't lock in on Rollins the previous week, I was just kind of like looking at him, and it it sounds weird because he's been a tight end, but he kind of just looks like he fits over there already, like in in a short amount of time, like his body size. It doesn't look like he, he's probably going to have to continue to add mass, but he doesn't look like he's you know transitioning. It kind of looks like he just should have been there all the way along. Yeah, and I think that's probably a credit to like the kind of athlete he is, right? Yeah. Um, I always thought he was a pretty, pretty physically impressive tight end. Like you were just kind of always waiting for the, 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 the switch to flip, I guess. And it, it, it never did for various reasons, I guess. But yeah, I mean, it, he doesn't look out of place size wise. He looks pretty comparable to a lot of those. It's like a nebulous group too. Like you've got your, your guys that you would consider kind of your interior defensive linemen. And then guys that are probably like, ends edges like it, it's just kind of everybody else go with this group and he was with that group and and does not you know take a back seat to any of those players physically at this point so yeah 
he was a really good high school athlete. I remember him being a good basketball player for Creighton Prep. I mean, and so the footwork should be solid. I mean, it should pick up pretty quickly. BC, anything jump out to you as you were walking around? Uh, ben Hart looks interesting to me. Uh, his body, he looks a uh, trimmer up top. If you know, um, I feel like the the Corey Campbell strength and conditioning way of doing things could really play out in perhaps a better way for a guy like Ben Hart and maybe a Huttmacher. You know, we've heard a lot about Huttmacher so far early in the spring and, you know, sort of, I think previously we thought of him as like just a, you know, weightlifting strength guy who can do, you know, sort of that niche role for you on a defensive line. And he's, he's trimmed down and, is still losing some weight. And I think is maybe this staff thinks can show some more athleticism there. Same thing sort of with Ben Hart at that tackle spot. Um, he's always been an imposing figure, but sometimes the movement efficiency or whatever you want to describe it as hasn't always been there. And some pass rushers have gone around him a little too easy. Um, so I know that there's some hope that they can sort of uh, transform him and and build him into a pretty successful player so i wouldn't close the book on him and he does look different i mean i yeah. it, just a layman like me can see that the otherwise you know i was shooting the the, the that uh spielberg like video through my iphone so sometimes i don't pick up on everything but my camera did catch chief borders just being like mr like energy like he's such a personable guy even in like the practice he reminds me you- did you see or did you hear what MJ Sherman referred to Chief Borders as? Uh-huh. He calls him his sunshine. Like basically <laughs> that he provides the energy for the rest of the day. Like when he's yeah. when he's around Chief Borders, he's just like overcome with extra energy because Borders just gives it off to everybody. Bruns hasn't seen the show Ted Lasso yet. Um, and I'm a little down on season three so far. Uh, but um, Chief, maybe remind who's the guy who's like football is life. Uh, you know, Danny Rojas. Yeah, Danny Rojas. Like maybe Chief could be the Husker version of Danny Rojas. So if Chief Borders comes in and he says football is life, but football is also death, how are you going <laughs> to handle that interview, Brian? <laughs> you'll, you'll know that somebody a football accidentally hit a dog and uh, he he didn't make it. Um, that's a specific uh-huh. reference to an episode in Ted Lasso, Bruns. <laughs> he doesn't know. <laughs> I'll watch you it. Would like that show if you watch it. <laughs> I know. No doubt about that. Um, so I was, I was also going to mention the Ben Hart thing. So I want to talk about that just a little bit. Just watching him physically stand next to other offensive linemen, like he just, he in a short amount of time, it feels like he kind of reshaped the upper half of his body. Like he, you don't want to say he's svelte because he's six foot nine and yeah. over three hundred pounds, but he does not. He does not look like he is over 300 pounds. And it, and at the same token, it looks like he also added like muscle up top. Like he just, he looks physically more impressive than he did last year too. Like he just, he doesn't, I don't know if it's just a toning thing. I don't know what it is, but he, he looks impressive. I don't know what that means for when he goes out and plays. Like that's a, that's the part that has to connect with everything else. But as much as he struggled through these multiple years, it is definitely worth remembering that this was a top 100 recruit. This was a guy that everybody in the Midwest wanted. This was a huge recruiting win for Scott Frost and Greg Austin back in the early days of 2018. Um, and it's not someone that I'm ready to just completely write off. And 
even if it's just anecdotal and even if it's just narrative-based, the fact that he looked somewhat different this spring with a different coaching staff, even though it's still the same position coach for him, gives me a little hope that there's something there. I mean, he's too good of an athlete to have struggled with the way that he has with leverage and everything else. Uh, and so I am I am hopeful that he has a good rest of his spring and, and spring game and, you know, finds himself right in that mix on that offensive line. They, they're not going to get new pieces to come in and solve this offensive line outside of Ben Scott. It's got to be guys like Bryce Benhart and Turner Corcoran playing up to their potential that is going to get Nebraska's offensive line at least to a, a position where it can be helpful rather than a net negative. So I noticed the same thing with Bryce Benhart. I'm glad you pointed that out. All right, we're going to start on the defensive side of the ball, and we're just going to we're going to get into it a little bit. I'll start with what I heard from Jamari Butler uh, yesterday. This is someone that, you know, just like kind of MJ Sherman, and they play the same position, they become fast friends. Uh, as Jamari Butler explained to, to the reporter that asked the question, they're friends because he's from Alabama, and MJ Sherman played at Georgia, so they just know each other, you know? I, I'm not sure how that quite works. It seemed like two different states just based off of that alone. But, you know, they, they've they hit it off very quickly. And they talk a lot about the pass rush. And that is the primary emphasis for both of those guys. You know, if, if you extrapolate it, it seems like that's a big emphasis for this coaching staff defensively. They want to be disruptive. They want to be able to come from different spots. And as Jamari Butler said, if they want to get home. And so I, I think – that there is a lot of emphasis there. I think this is a big opportunity for Jamari Butler. This is a guy that didn't play a lot of football before he ended up at Nebraska. Basketball player that transitioned over. You know, we've heard these stories before. It hasn't necessarily resulted in great careers for Nebraska, though. You know, Alex Davis was a multi-year contributor. I think Jamari Butler has some real upside, and I, I think that he and MJ Sherman, you know, battling it out. Sometimes they're both going to be on the field. Sometimes just one of those guys is going to be on the field, but they are – sharing as much information based on what they're seeing at practice and they'll be doing the same thing in, in the game. And, you know, I think quietly Rob Dvorak has really kind of invigorated some of those guys on the, in the linebacker room. I mean, you, you heard it again from Jamari Butler and, and heard it certainly from MJ Sherman. They really like him. They really trust him. They feel like they're getting a lot out of him in the short amount of time so far. So that's, kind of a quick Jamari Butler rundown. What have you guys heard from, um, you know, we'll, we'll stay at the second level. What have you guys heard about the linebackers and what have you heard about Rob Dvorak so far? Yeah. Um, well, Luke, I'm trying to think of there's how many linebackers we've actually heard from. Luke Reimer talked the very first day. And I think that's Sherman and Butler. And Sherman and Butler. Okay. I, I think they, I think they respect him quite a bit. I mean, I think, uh, you know, the, the, the NFL stuff, I think helps. I, I think it helps him uh, with a little bit of, okay, this is where I've been. This is what I've done. I mean, I, I interviewed Rob Dvorak for the, the Missouri series or part of the state's focus series that we did when he, since he's handling Missouri and Kansas. And he has a very, kind of easy way, I think, of explaining things quickly. Like I, I was I was very kind of struck by the way that um, he was able to just explain what their approach is and in, in, you know, not only the way that they're going to recruit those two states, but also the way that they evaluate linebackers, the way that it's coached, the way that they do things. I mean, I, I think you can kind of extrapolate that out to – say, okay, you're teaching a defense, 
you know, are you able to teach this in a very easy to digest, succinct way? And oh, by the way, he's having to learn this defense um, from Tony White as well. So I, I think that that ability to communicate, I think, um, you know, it has been really helpful in kind of uh, endearing him to those linebackers quickly. I think, too, you know, when you watch him at practice, he's very good about you know, teaching on the field. I mean, I, I felt like when you watch him every rep, there's like a teaching point and, and he's, you know, very direct with, um, you know, the way he's communicated. And I think that, that that's kind of helped get those guys up to speed. And, it, and it's, it's funny though. It's such a different uh, collection of characters that he's kind of responsible for. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that comes together, but I, you know, early returns from the linebackers that we've heard from, they, they've been very positive about Dvorak and, and kind of the work that he's done. You know, linebacker, just not to turn this into recruiting, linebacker is kind of one of those things where we haven't really figured out what the prototype of what they want or what it's going to look like because they've just sort of collected different pieces from the transfer portal. They grabbed what they could with uh, Eric Fields and Dylan Woods, keeping him committed. Um you know, they, uh, they, they really, we, we don't know what that, that archetype is going to look like for Dvorak too. Even if you look at the 2024 class linebacker of all the positions, it's still kind of one that hasn't really kind of taken a full view of, of who the top end of that board is and, and everything else. So, um, I, I am very interested as to what they collect, what they do, how it all looks, uh, with, with Tony White, I mean, I, I mentioned this, I think, in the three-minute drill. I've mentioned this a couple times. It sure seems like the players are very intrigued by how this 3-3-5 can look, you know, towards um, an offense. And and I think mm. a lot of it is just having different pieces. This goes all the way back to what one of you mentioned last week. You know, Matt Rule wants 20-some guys on defense to be able to play and, and to play at a high level or whatever it is. Maybe it's not 20, but – um, they they want to be able to mix and match pieces, and I think a lot of that allows your defense to remain more versatile. Uh, Brian, let's jump to the defensive line. What uh, what has kind of stood out for you? I know this is way back before the start of the spring or at the very beginning of the spring. We had some apprehension because the numbers aren't real big, but you move AJ Rollins over. It sounds like Ruquan Buckley's made some gains. Nash Hotmacher uh, certainly has has made some gains. I mean it. Are, are we feeling somewhat better about the defensive line here in the third, fourth week of spring than we did right at the beginning? Uh, maybe a little bit. I, I think, um, I think part of it is um, I believe the narrative inside the walls or not the narrative, but the way they view their team is maybe different than the narrative outside the walls. Like I think there's a feeling and it's certainly been, I've been one of those people who have been like, okay, you look at the defensive line on paper and there's, there's not a lot of returning snaps necessarily. Some of those guys are injured. Like Ty Robinson's not here this spring. How do you act? How are they going to get this to like a good rotation of six, seven, eight guys? And um, I don't know. You just kind of what you hear in the wind. You, if it seems like they maybe feel even better about that, that spot and what can be maybe then even some other spots on the defense, you know, maybe even the second level. So 
Um, I think they are encouraged by some of the progress and maybe some of those young guys are going to pop right in. I don't know. Like they have like that, just a boatload of like six or seven fascinating newcomers that are either not all of them are here, but you know, Cam Lenhart is and Prince Wells here, but some others are on the way. And um, you know, I guess if, if a couple of those guys could give you a little something where, you know, they're not expected to be you know, 35 snap a game guys, but they, they could contribute uh, that could make that rotation round up pretty well. I think the progress of Hupmacher has been big. It sounds like that's going well. And uh, he's such a key part of it. Like if you add him with Ty Robinson, Stefan, Wynn, I'm probably leaving a name out of someone returning, um, you know, that looks all right. Um, but I, I, I don't know about you guys. I have trouble. I've it's difficult for me to put a lot of this to paper with this defense yet. Like when you were talking about the linebackers, I mean, there's guys who are like in the linebacker. If you go down the roster, there's some who are 205 pounds. And then there's MJ Sherman, who's 250, who could be like, you know, you think of as like an edge rusher type guy. So I don't know how to categorize some of these guys yet, which is probably exactly how Tony White would want it to be for us. If I think about it. Yeah, I think it's a lot about having different pots to pull from for different players and being able to kind of match up with the offenses that are in front of you. Uh, you know, it's easy to kind of forget that Ty Robinson isn't practicing much this spring, and so he will certainly be a part of that defensive line moving forward. Brunts, jumping back to the secondary, the area where Nebraska returns the most amount of players, it seems. Uh, you've got guys, um, you know, Malcolm Hartzog had – I think eight starts by the end of last year. Quentin Newsom certainly someone that has a plenty of experience. Marquise Buford is out this spring, but he'll be expected to be involved when he can get back. Um, and and of course, you got to figure out kind of the safety picture, which Hartzog could play a part in. Uh, from what we've heard, what what have you made of what we've heard about the spring and and where some of these things sit for these guys? Yeah, Evan Cooper talked at the end of last week and. He didn't get into a ton of specifics about kind of what uh, what's going on back there. And it's funny, you whenever Matt Rule talks about the secondary, have you noticed that the first thing is always the, the volume of players that they have back there? Like they have so many defensive backs. It's like 25 of them or something. Yeah. Like, so that that's going to be interesting once the spring is over how that picture shakes out um you know i think they're kind of trying to figure out who fits where i mean i i i do think that the way that travis fisher recruited defensive backs was unique because he essentially recruited guys and then kind of put them where you know, cross-trained them, kind of put them in, in multiple spots. And, and you know, it, it kind of took a little time to shake out where guys fit. I think that's the process that they're going through right now is trying to figure out who's a corner, who's a rover, who's a safety, who who can kind of do different things. Um, you know, if they don't do as much nickel, I mean, you still have Isaac Gifford back there uh, as an option too. I think he's almost kind of a forgotten guy back there in some ways, but um I think they're just going through the process of trying to figure out who the heck can help them. And, um, you know, you, you've got a, enough returning guys too, that it shouldn't be too difficult to, to make that picture work. But I, I just don't see how you're going to carry over the numbers that you have at the defensive back going into the off season. Like it, it feels like that group is pretty rife for, um, you know, attrition 
once the portal opens. Yeah. I I am very, very interested how they sort of sort through who stays, who goes, what it all looks like. Um, there's definitely some interesting pieces over there. All right. We promised we we're going to get to the offensive line. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to talk about the offensive line. Uh, ben Scott and his new green jersey. Uh, what it, what they have over there, what it looks like. We talked about Bryce Benhart a little bit. And then we'll dive into some baseball when we return here on the Husker 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Offensive line talk. Who wants to lead it off? Where do we want to go? How do we want to start? Who wants to, to talk about Ben Scott's shiny new green jersey? BC, you got volunteered for. Okay. Yeah, he... Uh... Well, fortunately, uh, that the, the game of telephone on that one was uh, quite wrong. The, yeah, the, the re- went from worst case scenario imaginable to uh, all right, not great, but could be a lot worse. Yeah, it well, yeah, I mean, he was even out there Tuesday, um, as you say, in the green jersey, but um, was was participating. The thing that you know is going to be something they'll have to manage throughout the rest of the spring and especially a spring game, which I think you've kind of, we've kind of heard the whispers, like it might be more game like, or you've gotten that impression sort of from what Trev Alberts has said is you've still have to deal with the fact that they're pretty thin numbers wise. And I know rule um, said, you guys are used to uh, covering rosters with like 300 people on it. So um, these O-line numbers aren't unfamiliar to me for this time of year. And um, I think that's that, that's very accurate. But the, some of those guys are banged up within those numbers. I mean, Prohaska's in a green jersey. Scott's in a green jersey. Was Keegan Manning in a green yeah, jersey? He was in a green jersey yesterday. Uh, so that's three guys right there of what – how many when you count the walk-ons? 14, 15, I guess. Maybe there's more than that. But there's like 11 scholarship guys. And um, – I just think you got to be careful with, with Ben and they know that um, this, this is a guy who's got a lot of snaps under his belt um, in the college game. You kind of know what he can do. And so at this time of year, um, I think, I think they'll probably hold him out in certain spots, which would be probably the uh, appropriate course of action. We talk you, about, it, oh, go ahead. I was just say it, it's notable. I mean, I know rule joked about the numbers, but I mean, when you just look at that group, I mean, it, it's, there, there's people it, it feels like there should be a few more people there just based on kind of what Nebraska's done in the past because it's I would say they're probably struggling to get three full lines right now is that fair might be you know who the spring's been good for though truthfully I I believe Justin Evans Jenkins like that I think they have liked what he's done 
Um, and so that's been good for him to get a lot of quality reps. Gunnar Gatula is here and at left tackle, no less, and has held up and not, at least as Rule put it, not overwhelmed. And so I know that's the old offseason storyline. Well, these guys are hurt, but here's the silver lining. These young guys are getting the reps. But I do think there's a couple cases where it's worked out. But I think Brunts is right. Um, it's it's very focused on two groups right now of lines. I, and the third line, I don't even know what that is. Because there was like 90 plays in the scrimmage Saturday, we were told, 85 to 90. And the way Rule explained it was 40 for the ones O-line, 40 for the twos O-line. And so there you go. There wasn't much left if there is anybody else to, to give reps to. I, I was going to say, we've, we've talked a lot about um, Bryce Benhart to kind of start the show. We've talked about the offensive line in general. One guy, and, and maybe you guys have touched on it in a podcast that I wasn't on, but one guy that that is sort of interesting that is coming back from being suspended is Nori Newelli. And he is someone that had a really good end to his 2021. He emerged what I felt like is almost the vocal leader of the offensive line. And it, it feels like he's connected with that, with all of those guys over there really strongly. What do we, what do we make of, of new who's out for a year? He's in the, the sort of, you know, dog fight along the offensive line for those interior spots that, you know, could include a number of different guys. Uh, what, what are we doing with Nori Newelli? What are we thinking with Nori Newelli? Because it's this is someone that it seems like if he picks up where he left off in 2021, he's going to have a real say on the picture of this offensive line. Oh, I, I think, think he's, he's one of the. Yeah, go ahead, Brad. <laughs> I, I think I'm he's blind. a starting guard. I mean, I, I don't think there's much uh, there's much mystery there. Okay, that's all I got. But so <laughs> go PC. I, do you like? I guess it doesn't really matter which side, but you know what I'm saying? Cause you got Ethan Piper, you have Turner Corcoran, you have Henry Lutovsky, you have Nori Newelli, you have two spots. And so if, if he's like in Sharpie for one, um, that other guard spot is going to be really sort of interesting. And I guess, are you, and you have no concern that he'll just bounce right back after missing an entire year. Yeah. I, I wonder, I wonder about it a little bit. Um, but I, I kind of agree with, Bronze. I, I don't know if I put Bronze it in. Says no. He's just shaking his head. He's making a bitter beer face a little bit. No concerns. There. No concerns. No concerns at all. Um, I think he's one of the guys this staff feels like is gonna uh has next level potential. And so I, I do kind of it's hard for me to imagine that he's not one of the front five against Minnesota. But I, I understand where the question's coming from because Ethan Piper definitely um despite the inconsistencies up front last season, individually, he had some moments where you saw that he kind of was bouncing back from being a reserve player after starting his career as a frontline guy. And uh, I, I don't know which of us were around him when he did his interviews earlier right. this spring. Yeah. He was re I watching that back. That's a, that was a guy with just like, rejuvenated you yeah, know we like, knew you know outlook yeah. on life kind of thing he was so fired up about like what's going on and i i that i mean it could just be he's a very team guy and i think he probably is and not selfish but that also suggests to me he feels like he's got a real shot you know at, at being a main contributor too and then there's a guy like latovsky like who you'd love to see some reps maybe maybe it's a reserve role this year for one more campaign but mm -hmm. if if he could do something that would be that'd be a big deal but yeah i would guess nuri scott 
Corcoran, Ben Hart, Prohaska. I mean, that that's what I come up with in, in my five right now, um, which isn't very bold. But I it goes back to what you said at the start of this, Schaefer. This isn't about like Scott's new, but this isn't about just like guys we've never heard of. Yeah. This is about guys that have been around for a couple of years going up two levels in their play, and we'll see if they can do it. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's a lot of talent in that, like right there, what you're talking about. I mean, you have multi-year starters. You have guys that were highly regarded recruits. I mean, Teddy Prohaska was uh, well-regarded as well, and fortunately, we've only really seen him for like six games across two years. So hopefully, if he can be healthy and, and play out 2023, that could be a real boon to this offensive line. Anything else you guys want to get to on the line before we throw it over to Brunt's? to dive into a little Nebraska baseball. What one, one thing to add on the line that Turner Corcoran said, um, you know, that they are, and I guess this kind of influences the conversation we just had. They, they are trying guys at different spots. Like Corcoran said that they've moved him around quite a bit. It's, I, I think we know the pieces. I think it's just a matter of how everything fits together. And a huge piece of that is like you said, I mean, is Teddy Prohaska healthy right out of the gates and ready to go? Because if not, then, you know, th- then that leaves you having to, you know, maybe keep Corcoran on the left. And then, you know, what is that? Because I, I, I continue to think ideally his position is at guard. I mean, it, th- that's where he needs to end up. But it just hasn't, you know, worked out that way for him to do that. I I, I do think Noelle will slide in really well. I think he his style of play, I think, fits the way that they're going to want to run the ball in this offense. But, uh, you know finding and making sure that Prohaska is good at left tackle, I think is kind of the key to all of this, because if not, then that's where you start having yeah. to really shuffle Definitely. things around. Yeah. Well, and they just don't have enough tackles is really the other kind of unspoken part of the the lack of linemen. It feels like they have a bunch of guys on the interior that can play or a guy like Corcoran, where you'd rather have on the interior. And then you're sort of left with Prohaska and Ben Hart by default at tackle because Gatula is not a, position where he's going to jump from class a to playing big 10 football uh next august so um i i just feel like that is why they needed walter rouse why they wanted walter rouse why i don't think that they're completely done looking in the portal uh i don't know what jacob hood's <clears throat> going to give them um but i you know we'll see uh if they could find another offensive lineman that could just be depth for them at, at tackle spot that could be really big uh given prohaska's you know general injury history so uh we'll see how that plays out brunts baseball take us home uh so nebraska back into conference play this weekend traveling to michigan uh they finished off kansas state last night six to one um believe it or not the much maligned nebraska bullpen is trending in a positive direction and um the pitching staff right now up to second in the big 10 ER, team era and things are starting to look a little bit better there uh, at the right time. Um, where Nebraska sits now, going into the last night, they were right around 100 in the RPI. And when you, you, you kind of hit the, the start of April, that's when you really kind of start paying attention to RPI a little bit more. And for Nebraska, their toughest conference series are on the road, which helps you a little bit there. So that starts this weekend against Michigan, three games there. Uh, they also go to Iowa later this month, which will be another 
uh, big test for them. And then they also have Maryland on the road. So those three road series are going to carry a lot of weight when it comes to whatever Nebraska baseball might be doing postseason wise. So um, that's kind of where things stand. We'll see if they can get things done against Michigan, who uh, I don't know that they're playing nearly as well as what people expected. Tracy Smith, the former Indiana coach, is now there. Um, he spent some time at Arizona State, too, but uh, they'll, they'll play hard. And they do have some good players. So Nebraska is going to need some solid starts again from Olsen and Kaminska and hope that the bullpen continues to trend in a positive direction. All right. Um, BC, you have anything you want to add before we <laughs> say goodbye? Um, I don't think so. I was, I did have one last question for Bruns. Does everybody in the Big Ten have an RPI problem? Is it like a one bid or like kind of league or two? Or I mean, are they – is, is that situation there is, there is nobody that's like <clears throat> elite. Iowa's been ranked, mm-hmm. and I don't know that they're, I don't know that they're a top twenty-five team. They're close, but um, RPI-wise, the Big Ten is kind of in a rough spot this year. Uh, okay. A lot of a lot of teams mm-hmm. kind of in that like forty to eighty range. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's you're basically you know having to. Mm-hmm just amass as many wins as you can and hope that you win those, the, the really tough series, which is where Nebraska is yeah. now. Cause I was wondering about the balance as a coach. If you realize um, it's going to be tough RPI wise in a way you do have to a lot, you're, you're, you need the wins, but you're also trying to build up like the type of staff that could have that weekend run at the end yeah. that you gotta have. So that's interesting to me. Yeah. Well, and, and, I think Nebraska feels great about their their top two starters, Kaminsky mm-hmm. and Olson. Yeah. And it's just a matter of how, in a tournament setting, how do you piece it together after that? Um, you, know, you only got to what, what, win four games, and uh, you get into that loser's bracket. It can it can be a, a battle of attrition really mm-hmm. quickly. Brunch, there's probably no way for you to know this off the top of your head, but is Nebraska like on pace to hit way more home runs than they have the last, oh, I don't know, decade? Yes. Yes, because it it certainly just feels like they have uh, they've embraced the long ball. Well, if you look across across the country right now, home runs are way up from what they have. Like, did Rob Kendall Manfred Roger- juice the baseballs in college baseball too? There, there's something going on. Like Kendall Rogers mm-hmm. has been tracked the the number of home runs, and I I think in the first month it was up like over a thousand. What it Jeez. was last year, like it, there's a lot of home runs being hit. Um, I mean, that's not to take anything away from this lineup. I think the lineup's very good, but you're seeing uh, nationwide a lot of home runs being hit. They supposedly have not changed the ball. The bats are the same, uh, but something is going on. And it's, I mean, it's not, they've got the pitch clock now. I don't think it's the pitch clock. So who knows what's going on. But That launch angle revolution. Yeah, I mean, it's that's kind of where the game is headed. But, uh, yeah, it's it's not just Nebraska. There's a lot of uh, teams that are hitting a ton of home runs. So. All right. Well, let's hope the Guardians hit a bunch of home runs this afternoon starting at about 2.37 p.m. against your A's. Uh, I got nothing else to add. Be sure to stop by Husker 24-7. Plenty of coverage, plenty of content uh, up on the website. We've got recruiting. We've got football basketball we didn't get into on this podcast we'll maybe dive into on another podcast where things sort of sit 
a very interesting offseason for, for Fred Hoiberg and those guys, both were trying to retain guys on the roster and going into the portal and, and trying to have some success there. So we'll dive into a little basketball as well. For Brian Christopherson and Michael Brunson, I'm Mike Schaefer. We're Husker 24-7, and we'll catch you later this week with another podcast. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.